Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. For some seniors, the healthcare system is a bit overwhelming. Sure, there's your own doctor, but then there are all the specialists. Some are local, and others you need to go to Oshawa or Peterborough or even Toronto. Then there are the others, depending on your illness. The foot doctor, the dietitian, the eye guy, and so on. And how do you get all these appointments? And how can you afford it all? Plus, what about socializing or getting out for a walk or getting to your place of worship? It can be pretty complicated. A new program being launched by the Ontario Health Team Northumberland hopes to make navigating all these systems easier and is looking for volunteers to help out. Here is that story. I'm so pleased to have with me today three guests to talk about a brand new program. Trish Baird, co-chair of the Ontario Health Team Northumberland Collaboration Council and Executive Director of Community Care Northumberland. This is the organization overseeing this new program in partnership with the Ontario Health Teams of Northumberland. Scott McPherson is also joining me. He is the co-chair of the Ontario Health Team Northumberland Experience Partner Council. And also joining me is Kelly Peterson, Volunteer Peer Support Coordinator with Community Care Northumberland. Everyone, welcome to Consider This. Thank you. Thank you. Trish, I'd like to begin with you. Why are you excited about this new program? Can you tell me in like a sentence or two, what's got you super excited about this new program to help seniors in our community navigate the healthcare system? Rob, uh, what I'm excited about with this new program is it crosses all sectors of the healthcare and social service. So you could take advantage of this program no matter where you are. You don't have to be a community care client or a patient at the hospital. You can be anybody and with involved in any organization. And it looks at the whole person. So it's looking at not only their, maybe some of their health challenges, but also some of those social determinants of health that may get overlooked when you're dealing with um, people and just one or two conditions. So this is looking at trying to help whatever the, the, the person needs across their whole spectrum of their life. Kelly, tell me what's got you excited. Um, I'm very excited that we're offering this to seniors. Um, I've done a lot of wraparound work in my time with children and youth and families. And with my experiences with seniors, um, seeing the lack of connection with seniors and their community, I just love that this wraparound program is going to incorporate them and really connect them to their community and the services that that are out there for them that they may not be be aware of. Scott McPherson, same challenge for you. 
Um, Rob, I, as people who know me, I don't really get excited. It's no longer in my lexicon, um, but I do think it's a positive step forward. Uh, I've been working on volunteer peer support since its inception, and this seems like the, the right first step. It's concrete. Um, I have much broader hopes for this really uh, a way to get us going, and um, it looks like it's going to happen. Um, COVID slowed it down, uh, but I think we're there. So I'm, I am pleased about it. Trish, I want to come back to you now. Let's get down into the weeds and start to explain this. So the Ontario Health Team in Northumberland has announced this Volunteer Peer Support Program. That's its official name. Can you give us a, a summary of what this program entails? Uh, just to give some background, this program, um, it's, it's, uh, the idea of it has been roaming around for a good three years and it's taken a long time to get to this point. So it was first brought uh, to the forefront with a lot of planning um, uh, through a, a table, a group of uh, health providers. I think it started back in 2017, 2018. So what we were looking at is, is what are some of the priorities for people that live in Northumberland County? And where can, there was some money available to support initiatives in the community and how could that be best used? So um, we wanted to basically improve care and support for our vulnerable, most vulnerable people. Um, and how could we do that? So through some planning and some discussions we came up with the idea of this volunteer peer support program. It's kind of gone through different, a few different iterations, um, but it's, as Kelly mentioned, it's a wraparound approach and it, and it is modeled and uses uh, the wraparound from RAP Canada um, teaching and training to uh, support seniors and, and vulnerable older adults in the community. What do you mean when you talk about wraparound services? What does that mean to, to me as a patient in this community? So it's wraparound essentially, it's a person and family driven team-based planning. So a client or a patient that is needing support comes to our wraparound program or volunteer peer support program, and they are matched with our trained volunteers. Um, volunteer facilitators and they are the volunteers will guide them it's it's very person-centered um, the patient basically plans their wraparound program based on their goals expectations um, focusing on the 10 life domains of where they need help within their life um, so the term wraparound is basically the facilitator wraps a team of support and services um, in informal, formal supports around our older adults to help guide them to reach their end goals or support that they're requiring. What we're really talking about here is, is a very individualized approach. It's very customized to the person who has the needs. And then you go through a grocery list of services, everything from health to a bunch of other things, and you say, this is, this is it, just like a buffet. You come along and right. put a little yes. bit of food on it. What do you like? What do you need? You know, make sure it's all balanced and nutritious and then you consume it. Yeah, now, and it provides them a sense of control over their own life. 
Um, they're, they have a team and a support system that's what they want. They're not going to have people on their team that maybe aren't the most beneficial to them. So it's a nice way for the clients to take control of their plan and where they want to, to move forward. Now, Scott, when we talk about wrapping around services, why is this so important to the, the users of the system? Patients and um, clients have typically dealt with professionals. Um, when they get a wrap trained person, this person has been, um, has been trained in, um, they become culturally sensitive. They're based on needs-based, strength-based. They're culturally competent. They may be experienced similarly. They can relate. There's no blaming, there's no shaming. Um, they can meet the client at the same place. It's a very focused engagement. They learn how to engage with the client. Um, you know, they go through a planning and implementation and then they exit, they terminate it. So it's a, it's a short term, hopefully it may be longer, um, but it really a client or a patient who may feel isolated with the big, large um, healthcare system now has what might almost feel like a buddy or a system of buddies that are helping them through, helping them plan their system, helping them grow, helping them think, helping them do things on their own, um, not being judged, um, helping them make their own decisions. Um, so it's not this you know, they're not getting told you're being non-compliant, you're being shamed, you're, um, so it's a far more, um, for a lot of them, it may feel very new. Um, so I think it's, it's just, uh, it could be a whole new experience. Trish, it's really interesting when we listen to Scott and what he said, it, you know, the, this program seems to be focusing on navigating and accessing services. But I guess the, the bigger question is, is why do we need this? So what is, what is the problem this program is trying to solve? And I, I wonder if Scott's alluded to it, but maybe you could flush that out for us, please. Yeah, I think um, we've often talked about um, our work is uh, too siloed across the system. And so if I use an example of uh, somebody coming into community care and um, they need assistance with uh, applying for a disability pension, let's say, or senior, you know, and we kind of, well, we don't really do that. Um, you know, try here, try there. But a lot of places the, the person leaves and, and, and so we're only looking after one part of that, that individual's um, journey as they, as they're trying to make themselves more comfortable. So I think because of our siloed system, we aren't able to sit down and really focus with, with our, uh, clients on their on all of their needs and we can't always service everything for the the client the person so this way you may have a team around some of your goals whether it's housing or financial stability and in the wrap program we can reach out and and get uh, help the person get people to join their team that can help them meet those goals so it's almost bringing together different different uh, expertise, and, and it may be the neighbor down the road, but um, 
you know, these are the, the client themselves decides who's part of that team and how they will see success at the end of the day. Why is it taken to this point to sort of get our heads around this type of approach? What has changed that facilitated the creation of this program? Trish, could you maybe tell me about yeah. that? Well, I think definitely um, seeing putting money into prevention is, has not been a very positive or it's not been very popular. Uh, it's sometimes easy. It's not it's not easy to count, whereas uh, fixing a hip or a knee or, you know, getting somebody signed up to something, it's easier to count. So looking at quality of life and what does that mean and how to prevent person getting into these crisis situations, it's really hard to get funding support to do that. And uh, in the community sector, whether it's um, community in the health community or in social services, those preventative quality of life, helping people become stable in the community, it's just really difficult to fund. And I don't have the answer to that, but fortunately we have a little bit of funding and um, have, have shown that the benefits of, of this will um, be will help the system further down the line. Um, and, and once we show that, maybe that will expand some more, but it is difficult to, uh, to make that business case. But do you also think too, uh, I just wonder out loud if the Ontario Health Team approach has broken down some of those silos, which has then facilitated this kind of a program. I, it, am I going down the wrong path on that? Or no, is that no you're, 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 you're right. Like in the Ontario health team, there's uh, 14, I think, different partners. And we all um, have known each other and worked together to a certain extent. But now in with the health team, we're all signed on to, we are supporting this project and we will be able to you know, embrace this in within our organization, with our people, with our clients. Um, so it, it just brings it much more to the forefront and hopefully that will continue. Kelly, I want to talk to you about recruiting volunteers. Can you explain how you're going about the recruitment process and what type of people you're looking for? Oh, yes, we are happy to announce that we will be offering our volunteer facilitator training at the end of this month. So we have begun the, the uh, recruiting of our volunteers um, with the OHT. We've uh, had some re media releases put out there. We're really getting it out there on social media and uh, making word of this great program. Um, in terms of what we're looking for in a volunteer, um, so we want somebody that has experience working and supporting older adults or seniors within our area. Um, they are required to complete the four-day wraparound training, um, which will happen at the end of this month, as I said. Um, so somebody with excellent communication and listening skills, um, someone that's empathetic and caring, um, an ability to kind of perform or form professional uh, relationships with uh, community providers and as well as uh, supporting the individuals that they will be matched with. Um, so of course a knowledge of community groups and support groups within Northumberland County is a benefit for our volunteers. Um, other volunteer training programs are an asset and just an overall um, understanding of the services that are out there to support um, our clients that will be part of this program. And how many people are you looking to recruit at this time? So at this time for our first round of training, we are looking to recruit 20 volunteers. 
And how's it been going so far? How many have you had sign up? Uh, it's been very um, popular so far. We have 14 volunteers registered at this time. Um, we just launched this program, I think, about a week and a half ago. So we've had great uptake on, on interest to be a volunteer. Now, you've alluded to this earlier, but what will they be trained to do? Give us some examples of the kinds of things they'll be learning. So it's a, so a four-day training, as I've alluded to. Um, so basically, the responsibilities as a volunteer facilitator and kind of the core values of Wraparound are, it's a four-phase process. So the first phase is the engagement phase. Um, so they're going to learn strategies to engage their clients, their older adults, um, and their family members, and working with them to develop a working relationship. Um, so enabling the volunteer facilita facilitator to be um, as effective and, and efficient as possible when doing the engagement phase. Um, the second phase is the planning phase. Um, so to create a plan using the wraparound planning process. Um, so builds trust, shared vision among team members, and is consistent with the wraparound values and principles. So that's kind of the day two of the training. Um, day three is the implementation. So to monitor and review progress and successes. Um, so meet with the team regularly to make changes to the plan as required. Um, so the activities of this phase are repeated until the goals and visions have been achieved. The planning process is no longer needed. So then that final phase and the kind of the final day of the training is the transition period. So to guide the team and focusing on the transition of the client out of the formal wraparound process. So reviewing the strength, reviewing the team plan um, and the needs and identifying services and supports that have met those needs and that can be ongoing as the client goes through the services. Would you describe the training as being hard? Is it difficult? say it, it's <laughs> I wouldn't say it's difficult um it's it's a very enjoyable program in the sense that it's very involving a lot of team-based um, programming it really connects the volunteers to each other within the training um, so it is it's a great opportunity to learn from other volunteers on different examples and scenarios they've come across with their experiences um, so I wouldn't say it's difficult in any means but it's definitely it's a great networking opportunity for our volunteers to participate in. As an educator, I get this question all the time. Is there a test at the end? Uh, there's no, there's no test at the end. No. <laughs> all right. Do, are, do they become certified in some kind of way? Is there a certificate or something like that that, that goes with this? Yes. Yeah, so on uh, completion of their training, um, they will then be guided as facilitators from myself. I am a registered coach, a wraparound coach. So I will be um, supporting the facilitators through their first few teams and um, and then at the end of that they will receive um, a certificate saying they've completed the high fidelity wraparound training. Now what follow-up is done in terms of maintaining standards of providing support to these volunteers uh, to monitoring uh, what's been going on in the field etc can you maybe explain how that works? Right so they will be in regular communication with myself as the coordinator um, we will often, we'll have surveys that we will be providing them just to get their feedback on how the program's going, what's going well, what needs improvement, how we can support them to have a better um, opportunity within the wraparound. Um, 
wraparound program. So there will be lots of lots of communication, lots of time for networking, um, bringing the volunteers together um, to network, kind of bounce ideas off of each other and uh, ways that they can improve on how their wraparound situation is going. Scott, I associate a lot of what we've talked about so far is things that I go to my doctor to do. You know, usually when I go to my doctor's appointment, they usually say to me, you know, here's what's going on. You need to go see this specialist or that specialist. Then there's follow-up appointments. From a patient's perspective, what is the difference to having a volunteer come and talk to me? And what are some of the challenges you foresee as, uh, as people try to become accustomed to this idea of talking to somebody who's not necessarily a medical professional? You asked Trish the question why this hasn't caught on um, and Trish talked about a funding. In some ways, I think I thought about, I, I had a long work career as well as history in mental health and addictions. So much of our health, we try and do with a professional health system and yet so much of it needs to help. We need a help of other people, almost as if we need to recover with the help of others. And just like in addictions, they talk about recovery. This, in my mind, is parallel to that. It's like these people will be meeting with others to recover in their way with others, with their help. And if we thought about health as more of a recovery sort of perspective across the board, and that we're interjecting people to stop, you're not alone. You have a team, a team you're part of. Um, I think that's what we're starting to do. And I think training people to start building that system presents volunteer peer support with unlimited growth potential. And what we're doing is creating this base. How you create the groundswell, that remains to be seen. I personally think the healthcare system is unsustainable without having a large volunteer support system. And I'm hoping this is my big picture, that this is just the start. That's where I'll get excited. Anybody that's been a, a caregiver to somebody who's elderly or has worked with elderly know that many times they are very cautious or fearful and they don't want to go out and, and they don't want to meet new people or they get anxious about meeting new people or new systems. Can you talk from a patient's point of view uh, uh, about how this system is going to work to bridge those gaps where uh, the elderly just really are anxious about the whole system and feel that they might get being pulled into something that they don't like or something that makes them feel uncomfortable? I, I haven't taken the RAP training. I've thought about it. Um, COVID's kind of got me a little nervous right now. I've gotten very introverted. Um, I think we always have to think about models of change and readiness. Um, someone still has to be ready to take something like this on. And if they're not, um, you know, if they're in a completely pre-contemplative place, they may just not um, be ready to do it. Um, and with those kind of people, all we can do is give them information, tell them about it. Um, and, you know, they may or may not be ready. But if they are, 
a little open, um, we'll start to build that relationship. And part of the RAP training, which Kelly will can probably talk about, and I'm sure they'll talk about it the first day, is how do you start to deal with that? You want to get that client in kind of that ambivalent place where maybe yes, maybe no. And how do you start to break down that ambivalence? And um, and clearly, yes, as people get older, um, that reticence grows. And um, um, and one of the things with RAP, RAP has been predominantly used with uh, youth. And uh, there have been some senior programs. That there was one east of us in Leeds County that I think was fairly successful. Um, and uh, we're going to be we're going to be up there. Kind of people are going to be watching how we do, and so um, so it's a good question. Trish, I want to come back to you and ask. I noticed in going over this that uh, you're adding a social dimension to this program. It talks about housing and safety and finance and spirituality and social connections, recreation, and a lot more. Could you expand on this and why this is important to this program? Well, and I, like Scott, um, Rob, haven't taken the RAP training, but uh, those are the dimensions that I believe RAP Canada uses. So this is a, um, a highly tested, it's called a high fidelity wraparound, but it is a, a source of training and working with people that have, has been tested um, fairly rigorously. And those are kind of the domains that they have determined. Um, to be successful around a, a successful wrap that you, those areas are discussed. So we are um, replicating that through our training and kind of taking that, that approach versus taking our own approach. And you, because there is also a lot of evaluation measures um, that are used through RAP Canada that we can then, you know, do some, some uh, early work and then some evaluation work to ensure that, that the process and the, and the match has worked and how it's improved quality of life around any of those aspects. This sounds a lot, Trish, like a, a program that launched in 2013 called PATH, or Partners Advancing Transitions in Healthcare. <laughs> is, is, is this, is this uh, version 2.0 or, or is it really different? Um, I would say um, you're correct in the sense of those were called volunteer coaches. Um, and it, there was a, uh, a bit of a, structure framework around that but this is much more um i would say the framework around our the this um, wraparound is is much more uh fulsome than the path was the path project uh a lot of the volunteer coaches in that in that project were helping with technology because technology was a big piece of that um, project but it is a similar type of volunteer that we are looking for uh, someone with, you know, lived experience and um, interested in helping others. Uh, so, so yeah, 2.0 would be a good uh, example. Kelly, the Scott referred to this, and and I'm coming back to you to maybe elaborate a little bit upon it. It's sort of the same areas, and that is um, elderly people and their attitudes towards healthcare and towards getting services and taking advantages of services. I mean, there's been lots and lots of programs historically that have tried to do this, to get seniors to use. I mean, community care is a fabulous example. And it's there, it's been there a long time, and yet 
not everybody goes and uses it the way that they should. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder if you could talk to me a bit, Kelly, about the, the medical community that seems so bent on keeping people in their homes. Uh, I mean, self-care self is great uh, to a point, but where do we draw the line between those who can really look after themselves and those who really need to go out and get some kind of institutional care, those that are anxious about uh, new things and new ways of doing things, and also the blurring of lines when you know we know that governments are trying to save money, but then at the same time, by keeping people at home or getting them involved in these kinds of services, what we end up doing is stressing families or other caregivers, and we end up paying in a different way. How right. can you help us navigate all of that? Well, I think having a wraparound facilitator in an older adult's life is, is acting as if they're an advocate. Um, some of the seniors we're working with may not have their own personal advocates that are supporting them with the process, whether it's applying for long-term care or applying for other services that they do require, but they're unaware of next steps or how to do that. Um, so the benefit of having a wraparound program helping that senior is they're going to have that advocate. They're going to have someone that will help them either connect with their family members that they may not be connected with. It's part of that engagement phase, um, but also just being there as an advocate to, to approach those supports that they need. It's not keeping them out of long-term care. It's maybe helping them to get to long-term care. What are the steps? Um, not just going to the hospital saying, put me in long-term care. I wish it was that easy, but it's, it's not that easy. So this facilitator will be an advocate to support them with that process and with the supports and if it's applications or whatnot to help with. I think it's the older adults knowing that someone is there that they can call on or they have a, re a relationship with, personal, whatever, that they, they can really lean on for that support and guidance with the supports they're, they're requiring. When can people start accessing these services? What will be the timeline? So we will be accepting um, participant referrals um, before the end of this year. Um, we're getting our volunteers trained in this uh, wraparound program, and then we will be opening it up to our participants. So within the next couple of months, we'll, we'll be opening the program up to them. Trish Baird, Scott McPherson, Kelly Peterson, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That was Trish Baird, Kelly Peterson, and Scott McPherson. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, 
please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.